شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد باب من الإيمان بالله الصبر على أقدار الله This chapter is talking about the issue of الصبر Patience الصبر And what sabr means in the Arabic language is generally it's used for holding back حبس النفس To hold yourself back Generally it's used for you holding yourself back and what we mean, when we, talk, when we speak about it in the topic of in the Sharia, the sabr that is commanded from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what we're speaking about is holding yourself back from doing anything haram or anything that is not allowed. Holding yourself back. Yeah, and from different things. It could be from things that are haram. And it could also be holding yourself back from leaving, leaving off that which is wajib as well. So we have three types of sabr generally. Number one is to hold yourself back from haram. By, you see something that's haram in front of you, and you hold yourself back from it. Even if it might be attractive to you, you hold yourself back from that thing which is haram. That's the first type of sabr. The second type of sabr is for a person to hold themselves back from leaving off the wajibat. Yani you do the things that are obligatory upon you. It's pretty, you have to have patience. You have to have patience when it comes to salah, right? To pray on time. It needs a type of mujahada. You have to fight yourself to do it. You have to hold yourself back from leaving it off. You have to have sabr, patience when it comes to giving zakah. Because sometimes giving zakah might be hard on you. All of these acts of worship... They all need sabr. And the third one is sabr ala aqdari al-mu'lima. To hold yourself back when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees upon you something that is painful. So we are being patient on the masaib, the calamities that befall you. And what does it mean by what do we mean by being patient being um, patient when it comes to having sabr during these times? That you don't do anything that is haram because of it. A, a calamity befalls you, and so you don't you react in a way which is only which Allah, in the way that Allah commanded you to react. You don't react in a way other than the way that Allah Allah commanded you to act. For example, someone they they lose something or they lose a, a family member or anything like that. Then in that situation, what are we commanded to do? We're commanded to be to have sabr by not being or يعني, not not being not having tajazzur. Hating the, the qadr of Allah Or complaining Saying why did Allah do this to me And things like that Or niyaha Wailing We've been commanded not to wail So if someone now he When a calamity befalls him They wail Or they complain about the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And they are not patient with it Then this is someone who has not had sabr Therefore he is sinning And sabr are, is Different levels There's different levels of sabr There's different levels when it comes to 
let's say, reacting to the calamity that befalls you. That's the, that'll be a better way to say it. To say it. There's different levels when it comes to re- how you react to the um, qadr of Allah. The first level is the obligatory minimum. And that is as-sabr, that you're patient. That you don't do anything that is haram. So that's the minimum level. Minimal level. You have sabr. And a higher level to that, which is not obligatory, but it's only for the people who are truly close to Allah and truly believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deeply and properly, then this is the level of ar-rida. A person is pleased with the qadr of Allah. Something bad happens to him and he is pleased with it. He loses money and he's happy about it. And this is mustahab. This is recommended. Because a person who knows that whatever comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows that it's good. Then he's never going to be angry about the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, he's always going to be even pleased with it. Uh, an example of that is, for example, someone knows the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Alim Al-Hakim, that Allah is the most knowledgeable and Al-Hakim the most wise. Meaning he doesn't do anything without a wisdom. And so after that, when he knows this, he, something befalls him. He's not able to get su- such a job. He's not able to do something that he was planning to do. His plans go wrong, university, whatever it is, getting a job, going to get married, money, losing family members, someone dies. That happens to him. And he, what he does is he remembers. This, what happened, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not ignorant about it. <laughs> Allah Azza wa Jal, he wasn't ignorant about what happened to me. He knew what happened, that's number one. And number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's the one who controls what happened to me. So what happened was under the permission of Allah. مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Whatever came to you from any calamity, then it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything that happens to you, Allah knew about it, right? He knew, uh, he is عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ The one who knows the, the unseen, he knows everything. He knows everything. So he's the one who allowed this to happen. And he's the one who knew that it was happening. And Allah Azza wa Jal is Al-Hakim. He's the most wise. He doesn't do something without a wisdom. There's always a greater benefit behind it. Even if you don't see it. And you understand that everything Allah does has a greater benefit. Everything. There is nothing that is purely evil. There's nothing that Allah created without any wisdom. Without any reason. There's no command that Allah gave to us without any reason. Everything that He told us to do and everything that He prohibited us from doing and everything that He commanded us, everything that He allowed to happen in the earth and everything that He created in the heavens and the earth, He done it for a reason. Everything. Even something that you think there's no good in this. How can there be good in this? No, there is good in it. Even if you don't see it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the same one who loves only good for the believers. He only loves good for the believers. He is the most forgiving, the loving. And he does what he wants. So if you know these attributes of Allah, and you truly internalize these attributes of Allah, you know that Allah is only doing good for me. And whatever actions of Allah are all good. And he always does everything through wisdom. And he knows what's happening. It's not like it's happening outside of his kingdom, or outside of his knowledge, or his mashia, his, his, his want. Allah wants it to happen and allows it to happen. Then when, when, someone ha- when someone understands it and internalizes it deeply, this is when he reaches the level of rida You're pleased with the qadr of Allah. You're not just patient with it, which is the minimum. Wajib. Patient, you get rewarded inshaAllah ta'ala. And also, you're not sinning. Like in this next level is rida 
you're happy with the qadr of Allah. No matter what happens in your life, anything, anything that happens in your life, you're happy with it. Because you know that it came من عند الله from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's how Allah describes the believers when He says, قُلْ لَنْ يُصِيبَنَا إِلَّا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَنَا هُوَ مَوْلَانَا وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Say, nothing is going to befall us. Say, nothing is going to befall us except what Allah has written down for us. هُوَ مَوْلَانَا He is our protector. He knows what's best for us. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And in Allah alone, let the believers put their trust. And so this is the, this is the second level when it comes to reacting to the aqdar of Allah, the, the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is an introduction to the topic of as-sabr. Then the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, he brings some evidences uh, speaking about it. And he says, وَقَوْلِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى What Allah says in the Qur'an, وَمَنْ يُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ يَهْدِ قَلْبَهِ Whoever believes in Allah, Allah will guide his heart. Whoever believes in Allah, Allah will guide his heart. What does that mean? Al-Qama, he commented on it, and if you look underneath, he commented on it and he says, هُوَ الرَّجُلُ تُصِيبُهُ الْمُصِيبَةِ فَيَعْلَمُ أَنَّهَا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ فَيَرْضَى وَيُسَلِّمُ That this person that Allah is talking about, whoever believes in Allah, Allah will guide his heart. And you believe truly in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is going to guide your heart to patience. Al-Qama, he said, he, it, is, it is a man. تُصِيبُهُ الْمُصِيبَةِ A calamity befalls him. فَيَعْلَمُ أَنَّهَا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ And so he knows that this calamity that befell him was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَيَرْضَى And so he makes him pleased with it. وَيُسَلِّمُ And he submits to the, to the, to the, to, the, uh, to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's pleased and he submits to it. And this is the higher level of, of a ridha that we mentioned, right? A question may come. What is the, for example, I said everything from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is good, right? And everything that Allah creates is good. Or there is good inside of it. There's nothing Allah created without any good coming from it. But what's the, what's the wisdom from creating Iblis? Hmm. A test. Is there good in a test? Is there good in a test? Yeah, is there good in a test? Yeah. If for a test, if there's good in a test, then you get rewarded for it, right? So Allah created Iblis and is testing the people. And those people who pass that test, they're being rewarded. Is that not good? That's good, right? How else? Hmm. You separate the people based on their good deeds. Separating the people on their good deeds, yeah, a test. <laughs> Similar to a test. Another, th- another good outcome of the creation of Iblis even is that he, he, he makes you sin. And then what do you do when you sin? You repent, right? And that, is, that, is that something that Allah loves? Of course it is. So there's good in everything. And there's other examples you can give. And some of them you might not get an answer. Sometimes people, they ask, why did Allah do this? Why did Allah do this and that? And sometimes you might, you might not get an answer. And sometimes there is, no, there is an answer, but no one knows it except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that Allah does yeah, is good. But you might not know the answer. And even the answer might be unknown to human beings. It might be unknown to human beings. Why Allah does something. Delving into the reasoning behind the actions of Allah is a door of shaitan. Why? Because sometimes you're never going to get to the answer. Even though there is an answer. And remember this. We're not saying that there is no answer. We're saying that there is an answer. But sometimes you, human beings don't know the answer. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most wise. We know and no doubt that he does everything with a, with a wisdom. Nothing in the, in the kingdom of Allah happens without wisdom. You can ask, why did Allah do this? Why did Allah do that? It might be an answer that, you can, that, will, that will make you, يعني, that will um, convince you and you'll be, you'll be happy and satisfied with the answer. 
and there might be an answer that you don't know. Either way, a person, what's he, what's he commanded to do? We're not commanded to delve into the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Asking why. We're commanded to what? Submit to, to it. Understanding that we're submitting to Allah because we know He's the most wise. Is that clear? Hmm. <coughs> Regarding that point, so what if someone in their head uh, is always constantly thinking why, but they're not actualizing it in their speech? That that's these this why is always from shaitan generally. This question why is always from shaitan, like Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, um, or why and who and things like that. These, these kind of questions are from shaitan. Abu Hurairah narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that shaitan will constantly ask you why and who until he asks a person who created Allah. So when you get to that point, then say. Amantu billah, believe in Allah. Don't don't go further than that because these questions they they're from shaitan. If a person keeps, يعني, giving or responding to them, when I mean responding to them, and he gives them attention, these these whispers from shaitan, it's gonna get worse and worse and worse. But these questions are asked why and why and why. A person is not sinning for it at all. They're not sinning for it. Like it can lead. It can lead if you don't act upon it. You're not sinning. But it can lead to actions. You get it. It can lead to actions. And if it doesn't, then alhamdulillah. But a person should should deal with them before they even lead to actions. Exactly. If the calamity before the person and look at the why and it leads them to looking into themselves, is that positive? Well, we're talking about. Yeah, there's positive, there's positive, of course. Like, I mean, if someone, he, a calamity befalls in him, and then it makes him realize his sins. They are, that, that happened to you because of your sins. That's generally we've been commanded to do that anyway. But what I'm talking about is questioning the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, generally. And if someone, uh, we know that the, the, the calamity when it befalls someone, it's going to be because of a sin that you've done, and so Allah is expiating your sin, or Allah is raising your level. That's not the why that we're talking about. Yes, we, 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 we all understand that already. وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ In the Quran وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَيَعْفُوا عَنْ كَثِيرٍ Similar to that ayah Whatever happens to you then it's because of your own actions ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِي النَّاسِ That corruption happens because of what the people's sins have earned So these things are something that's known But what we're talking about is uh, questioning the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Why he created something like that Or going into the deeper matter Into the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is that clear? Right, so it's different طيب وفي صحيح مسلم عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال In صحيح مسلم أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه نريد The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم He said إثنتان في الناس هما بهم كفر الطعن في النسب والنياحة عن الميت And this is also talking about patience Patience uh, Two things that are in human beings, two attributes and actions that are in human beings. It is a type of kufr. And what we mean by kufr, disbelief, it is a minor disbelief. And this tarkib, this word in bihi kufrun, bihim kufrun, and this kind of, whenever you see that, know that it's minor, minor kufr, generally. It's minor kufr. So it says, nasab. One of the things is to. Uh, Speak bad about people's lineage. So you're from such and such. You're from this tribe, and you guys are bad. 
this tribe is all bad, or this country, or these kind of things. For nasab, to speak bad about people's lineage, it's going to be in the people, and it's a type of kufr. Yani, the Muslims, they're never going to stop doing it. Till today, do they still do it? They do, right? Until now, they do it. And the Prophet ﷺ told us, this is from umur al-jahiliyyah, things from jahiliyyah, ignorance. But the people, they're still going to do it. And we need to stay away from, stay away from it. That's the first thing. And the second thing, which is connected to patience, as-sabr, wal-niyahatu al-mayyit. It is to shout and wail when someone dies. Wailing when someone dies. You know when a family member dies and someone screams and shouts and all of the kind of goes crazy and things like that? Then this is the, what is prohibited when death happens or when a calamity befalls you. That a person shouts and screams. Why? Because it is an outward expression of the disliking of the decree of Allah. It's as if you're saying, oh Allah, you shouldn't have done this. Why? So you're shouting and you're angry. As for crying and things like that, then that's fine. The Prophet وسلم, said, إن العين, إن العين That our heart, our, our eyes, they can shed tears when his son Ibrahim died. He said, إن العين لتدمع وإن القلب ليحزن ولا نقول إلا ما يرضي ربنا And our hearts is sad. Our hearts are sad. And we cry and our hearts are sad, but we don't speak and we don't say anything other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. So when we say patience, we mean we're not allowed to do a niyaha, wailing, shouting and screaming, or saying words that express the, the disagreement or the displeasure of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what Allah decreed. Because as if you're saying, oh Allah, this person didn't deserve to die. Or if someone loses his money and someone says, you didn't deserve that. That shouldn't have happened to you. No. That happened because of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why it's a type of kufr. Because it is a... Um, this, uh, it is... Um, um, this, what's the opposite of being thankful? Ungratefulness. Ungratefulness. Being, being ungrateful. Being ungrateful to the action of Allah. And Allah says in the Quran, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran about... Uh, about the Allah said when if you are thankful then Allah will increase you and if you are ungrateful kafara ungratefulness kufr is not just disbelief it's also it's also used for the word to be ungrateful so it's a sign of being ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's why it says kufr being ungrateful to the, to what Allah gave you now Why is it what? Because it's as if you're saying that this person, it's as if saying this person, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala made him, made me better, that made you better than him as a human being, right? You're you're better than the other person, and this is as if you are saying that, um, you, and you, are, a person is being, uh, he was created, you're, you were created better. Then that person through the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah never done that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never created a person better than another person because of his lineage only. Because of his, due to his lineage. So that's a type of kufr from what the scholars dimension. Yeah, when it comes to it being uh, kufr, so what is that? Is that a sin or is it? It's a sin, major sin. Okay. It's a, but it's not, it doesn't take you out of, outside of Islam. Outside of the the, 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 the bab, is it just the the, the, the chapter here is not, the whole hadith is not talking about patience. The second part of the hadith is talking about patience, which is niyaha. 
وَلَهُمَا عَنِ بِنْ مَسْعُودِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا الْبُخَارِ مُسْلِمُ أُصْلُ نَرَيْتِدْ From Ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنهما مرفوعا ليس منا من ضرب الخدود وشق الجيوب ودعا بدعوى الجاهلية He is not from us the one who hits their cheeks You know when someone dies a lot of people what they would do is that they would hit their cheeks they would hit their cheeks like out of sadness right من ضرب الخدود وشق الجيوب and they rip their collar they rip their clothes وَدَعَى بِدَعْوَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ And he calls to the callings of Jahiliya Again, lineage and nationalism and racism Because as if you're saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created me better than you Right? And that's not the case in that situation So the, 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 the evidence here is to say He's not from us He's not from us And that shows the major sin Whoever does this وَعَنْ أَنَسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ إذا أراد الله بعبده الخير عجل له العقوبة في الدنيا. This is a hadith to help someone to be patient, inshallah. He said that if Allah subhanahu wa taala wants good for his slave, عجل له العقوبة في الدنيا. He makes your punishment come early in this dunya. So you go through trials and tribulations. So if Allah subhanahu wa taala wants good for you, He allows you to go through trials and tribulations. Why? Why is that a sign of Allah wanting good for you? Because if you pass these tests. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing you and putting you through Then you'll come on the day of judgment As in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He told us The iman will be going through tests on this dunya Until he starts walking on the earth And he has no sins left on him A person has so, so many bad things happen to him But he, and he thinks it might be bad for him Or some people might look at him They might think this, this is bad for him But in reality all of it, these things that he's going through, the loss of wealth, the loss of health, being ill, loss of money, loss of family, all of this just happening to him, hardships and hardships, one after the other. And then he's walking in this dunya and he has no sins at all. Until a person will come on the day of judgment and he would wish that his whole life were just trials and tribulations, hardship. He'll wish it. As opposed to the opposite, a person, he's doing sins and sins and sins and no punishment is coming to him. Nothing. Nothing is happening to him. And Allah says about that in the Quran, وَأُمْلِي لَهُمْ سَنَسْتَدْرِجُهُمْ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ الاستدراج, Which is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, oh, we, will, we will drag him, drag him from a, from, a, from a place that he doesn't even, he doesn't understand. Istidraj is basically for, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow you to do sins and do it and do it and do it and he doesn't show any signs of punishment. And what does that make that person do? That makes, that makes a person think what? That Allah is not punishing me, I must be good, I must be a good person. So he is getting everything in the dunya, he's getting everything is being given to him, all good. You say, this person, wow, he's got everything, man, he never goes through anything hard. And he's just doing sins and sins and sins. Until the day of judgment, he comes and all of those sins are coming back to him. But like the Prophet وسلم, said, Inna Allaha la yumli That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he allows the oppressor to go on. Keep oppressing, keep oppressing, keep oppressing. حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذَهُ لَمْ يُفْلِتْهُ Then when he takes him and grabs him, he never lets him go. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets him, lets him, give him some, gives him some time. Why? Because he wants, he is leaving him to do more and more sins, accumulate more sins, so that he can punish him worse on that day, on the day of judgment. وَذَلِكَ اللَّهِ سَيْزِ وَكَذَلِكَ أَخْذُ رَبِّكَ إِذَا أَخَذَ الْقُرَى وَهِيَ ظَالِمَةِ إِنَّ أَخْذَهُ عَلِيمٌ شَدِيدٌ Allah allows the governments and the cities of sins When they do sins, they're sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning Allah allows it for a long period of time Until one time 
when they feel safe, the punishment comes to them baghta, all of a sudden. As Allah says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells in the Quran, we give them everything, these people, they, they, they get everything. Then we change the situation of the people, these people that are sinning. We change the situation into something that's good, hasana. Then when they get happy and they think that they're in a situation of, of calmness and they're, and they're comfortable, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we come and we punish them, baghta all of a sudden. And so the, the, the edge of these people, they're completely cut off. All of their lineage and the next generations are cut off. This is the concept of what? Al-Istidraj. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows a person to continue doing sins. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes them all of a sudden. As opposed to this person. When Allah wants good for someone, He punishes them in this dunya. He sees that he's going through hardships all the time. Until you see him that he's walking on the earth and he has no sins and on the day of judgment, he will wish that his whole world and the dunya was just hardships and hard times. And that's what Allah says in the, in the Prophet وسلم, tells us in the end of the hadith. And when Allah wants evil for his slave, then he he holds back from him, holds back from him. He commits a sin, but Allah doesn't punish him. Allah doesn't punish him. Until on the day of judgment. He's going to give him all of the, the accountability that he deserves. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not do istidraj to us. To not allow... Well, the, the Salaf, they used to be scared. When they will have no hardship in their life, they'll be scared. They'll think that maybe Allah is doing istidraj of them. That Allah is taking them and, and allowing them to do their sins. And so when they... And then they, they were like some of, the, some of them is narrated that they would say that they would be happy when a, when a calamity will befall them. They wouldn't wish for a calamity, which is different. But when a calamity does befall them, they'll be happy. And this is what we mentioned at the beginning of the hadith. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Qarun, all of the Fir'aun, Haman, all of them. Yeah. What's the ayah? Yeah, Allah? Yeah, I saw um, being happy when a calamity um, comes upon you. Does that, does that happen all the time? It happens all the time, of? As in, as in like, a lot of us tend to get sad when mm. calamity. Okay. happens when your Iman gets higher. Okay. Yeah. When you understand these names and attributes of Allah. So it's important to understand the names and attributes of Allah. And understanding the actions. Not understanding يعني, Tawheed. Realizing Tawheed. Actualizing Tawheed in your heart. It's a level of Iman. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us to that level. قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said إن عظم الجزاء مع عظم البلاء وإن الله تعالى إذا أحب قوما ابتلاهم فمن رضي فله الرضا ومن سخط فله السخط the Prophet is narrated he said, In the person his reward is is increased in accordance to how big his his test is. So if a person is going through a huge hardship, then his reward is more. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is when he loves a group of people, he tests them and he makes them go through hardships. Whoever is pleased with this, then Allah will be pleased with him. 
and whoever is angry at the decree of Allah, فَلَهُ السُّخْت Then he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be angry at him. And in some narrations, فَلَهُ السَّخَطْ With the fath, and it means the same thing. فيه مسائل الأولى تفسير آية التغابن الثانية أن هذا من الإيمان that patience is part of iman الثالثة الطعن في النسب mentioned that um, speaking bad about people's lineage is bad الرابعة شدة الوعيد في من ضرب الخدود وشق الجيوب ودعا بدعوة الجاهلية the severe punishment or the severe threat that has come with regards to the one that hits their cheeks and rips their collars and calls to the callings of jahiliya الخامسة علامة إرادة الله بعبده الخير What's the sign that Allah wants good for you? That he tests you السادسة علامة إرادة الله بعبده الشر The sign that Allah wants evil for someone is That he has no tests He allows them السابعة علامة حب الله للعبد The sign that Allah loves someone That he tests him وذلك in the hadith right The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said أشد الناس بلاء الأنبياء فالأمثل فالأمثل that the people who are tested the most are the prophets, and then those who are the best, and then those who are the best after them. The, the people who are t- tested the most. So our Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was the most tested, because the Prophet Allah loves him the most. From amongst the way that we know that is what? When he was ill, when he was sick, when he had a humma, when he had a fever, his fever would be like the fever of two people. The heat that was on it, that the body, how hot his body would get, would be the, like the heat, the, the fever of two people. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him. And Ibn Qayyim has a good... If you look at his um, Zad al-Ma'ad, in the third volume, he, has a, he speaks about al-Humma, or the fourth volume, sorry. He speaks about the Humma, the flu, uh, the fever, and how it's from the biggest signs of the love of Allah. The biggest signs of the love of Allah. One of the biggest signs from the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the fever. And he speaks about the benefits of having a fever. And he speaks about the ahadith that were narrated about having a fever. Ibn Rajab Hanbali even has a whole book written about the hadith of having a fever. Uh, and it's uh, and a fever when you talk about the heat, when someone's hot, right? And so the Prophet said, when he would have a fever, it would be double the, the fever of another person. Because Allah loved him. Uh, it's not allowed for you to be angry at the decree of Allah. The reward for a person to be patient. The next chapter is Al-Riyah Speaking about Al-Riyah Showing off Al-Riyah is Al-Riyah is Ilharul abd al-amal It's for a person to Show his actions off to other people Liyarahu nas So the people can See him uh, To say show I think that maybe that translates in a bit Ilhar yani To make apparent his actions whether it be by showing, because showing is by seeing, right? So, making a power in your actions, so the people can see you, and then praise you for it. This is the definition of a riyah. To? Publicize. Publicize, how, maybe, same thing, right? Yeah, to show, um, to, uh, what did I say again? To make a power, same thing, huh? So other people, it does not be in public, public, it can be to your, Person running to only one person, you and another person, but yeah, similar, similar meaning. So, to um, make apparent your actions so the people can see you, see you, it's important, see you, and they praise you for it, they praise you for it. So, let's let's d- talk about this definition. 
So it's publicizing your actions. So that people can see you. As opposed to speaking about your actions. You're still publicizing it, right? You're still making your actions apparent. But you're speaking about what you've done. So the people can't see you anymore. Is this called Riyadh? No, it's not called Riyadh anymore. So you've done an action. Yeah, last night you prayed all night. And you come and you say yesterday, I didn't even sleep, you know. I was praying the whole night. <laughs> or something like that. Huh? Why? So the people can praise you. This is called Sum'ah. Sum'ah. So the people can hear your actions. Sum'ah is different to Riyadh. See the difference? Sum'ah. Sum'ah. That's if you, if a person can't see you. So a person can see you there and then. And someone's pray, you're praying, and you see someone's watching you, so you make your prayer more beautiful. You make it properly. Because someone is watching you. This is called Riyadh. And so they praise you for it. As opposed to someone who does actions outwardly, so the people see him, but not, so he doesn't want praise. What does he want? He wants the people to follow and do a good deed like him. For example, someone who goes in a message, he goes and he gives charity in public. He says, Look, I'm giving this much money. Why? So the people can follow him. This is called Riyadh. No, this is good, it's allowed. Because you're doing it so the people can follow you. So the intention, so there's two things when it comes to Riyadh. Number, the main thing is the intention. If you're doing it so the people can praise you, then this is called Riyadh or Sum'ah. And if you're doing it so the people can follow you, then it is allowed and it's a good deed. Rather, it is Man fil Islami, fil Islami Sunnatan Hasana. Whoever starts off a good Sunnah, meaning whoever does a good deed so the people can follow him in it. By the way, the hadith, Man fil Islami Sunnatan Hasana, whoever Starts of a good sunnah. The people of bid'ah, they use it to say that you can do bid'ah. Because you're starting off the act of worship, right? That's what they say. That's not what it means. What does it mean? You're doing a good deed that was already done by the Prophet wasallam, but you're just doing it and you're reviving it amongst the people. That's what the hadith is talking about. It's not talking about someone who starts off and initiates a new act of worship. But the point is, yeah? The point is, you're doing it so the people can follow you. In that case, you're doing a good deed and you come under the hadith and you'll be rewarded for doing your good deed and you'll be rewarded for the good deeds of those people who you follow, who follow you uh, until the day of judgment if they follow you on it. That's why the Prophet is the one who has the most followers in a good deed because he taught everyone all that we need to know. So in that case, there's nothing wrong with mentioning it. Nothing wrong with mentioning it if the intention is correct, yeah. No doubt. So there's nothing wrong with mentioning your good deeds if the intention is correct. But, 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 it's dangerous. A person can fall into the من حيث لا يشعر. You don't even know. Well, that in the hadith doesn't come in this chapter today. I think it comes in the kitab of Tawheed, but I'm not sure. I can't remember. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ said that the riyah is أخفى من دميم النمل. It's more hidden than the foot, than the foot, the footstep of an ant on a dark night on a dark on a black rock. يعني an ant, a black ant, walking on a black rock on a dark night. Not all nights are dark. Some nights are a bit lighter because they have the moon. Like on a dark night when there's no moon. Can you see the footstep of an ant? Can't see that, right? The Prophet ﷺ is more hidden than that. So the companions, they were shocked. And so they asked, Ya Rasulullah, how can we get away from it then? So then the Prophet ﷺ taught us the hadith, the ayah, the, the, the dua. Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min an nushrika bika wa nahnu na'lam wa nastaghfiruka lima la na'lam. Oh Allah, we, we seek refuge from you to do a riyah or to do shirk with you whilst we know. And we ask you to forgive, forgive us for that, we did, that which we did not know. So it's dangerous. So it's dangerous to speak about your actions uh, unless a person he's confident in a certain way that inshallah he's doing it for the correct way and you need to question yourself all the time. Like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us to seek refuge from al-riyah. What was the hadith that starts with the sunnah? Man sanna fil-islam sunnatan hasana Whoever 
starts off a good sunnah, then فله أجره وأجر من عمل به أو فله أجرها ومن أو أجر من عمل بها. He then he gets its reward and he gets the reward of anyone who acts by it. لا ينقص من أجورهم شيئا and none of their reward is uh, decreased. Okay. What if you don't? What if you're out of faith, you prove it, and that's worship? So, example, not out of fear of Allah, but in fear of, for example, if you're leaving the Jama'ah people, you uh, you beautify the Salah just because you're scared that you might mess up. Does that make sense? It makes sense, like in Allah, it's a dangerous territory. Dangerous territory, Allah, like a person should beautify their Salah. And, but it is, a person, it's about intention. Yani, for example, normally someone is natural. It's natural for a person when he's in a, in a Jama'ah. For his salah to be better than when he's praying by himself at home, that's natural. So for that, for you to beautify yourself in that situation is is, is fine. But if, and you're doing it, and you know people are around you. But there's a thin line between you doing it for the people and you doing it for Allah. There's a thin thin line between it. Now, Babu ma ja firiyat now. You should yeah definitely, as long as you feel unless you, unless in a situation where you feel safe. That you're not going to be showing off, and there's a benefit behind speaking about your actions. For example, you, you think that if you speak about your action, you're going to encourage someone else to do it. But there's a thin line between that and showing off, so be careful. Understand? Now, when it comes to riya, showing off, riya it has different effects on different actions, and it has different effects on different actions. From the effects of riya, number one is for a person to initiate an action. Out of showing off You initiate your whole action just showing off You wasn't going to pray at all You wasn't going to pray Because someone's seeing you, you're going to pray You wasn't going to give charity at all But you're just going to give charity because So people can see you and praise you for it You wasn't at all going to do the action But the only thing, the only thing that led you to do the action Is just to show off to the people Then this is number one Minor shirk is a type of shirk Minor shirk Doesn't take a person outside of Islam And it is a So minor shirk it means a sin right? Hmm? And number two, it nullifies the whole action. All of your action is gone. You get no reward for it. Rather, you're sinning. And number two is a person who does who initiated his action for the sake of Allah. And then Riya came. Riya, he started showing off the after. For example, he was praying normally for the sake of Allah. Then when someone came, he beautified his action for that person. His act, his salah. Then, in that case, his his action is acceptable until that point that he beautified it, until he rectified it, and cool. until he rectified it. Exactly. Mm. One question. Um, let's say, for example, um, you're in the masjid, you're reading Quran out loud because you just want to know how, like, if your tajweed is good or not. Um, and then, let's say, if someone walks in, but then now you want to read quieter, just because you don't want to be like, I don't know, just don't want to be like. People to hate. Yeah, do you get me? If it's done out of shyness, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. If it's done out of shyness, then that's fine. But if it's done, and the, the other thing that the scholars they also mention is that you shouldn't leave off a good deed because people are watching you. Yeah. And someone you might say, okay, I'm scared of it showing off. Therefore, I'm not going to do a good deed because someone's watching me, right? No, that is also type a type of showing off. The salaf they said is also a type of showing off because you've left off something that you for for Allah, you left off something that should be for Allah. You left it for the people. You left it off because someone's watching you. Rather, what you should do is what? You do the good deed. And in fact, you should do it better. When shaitan tells you you're showing off, then say, no, I'm not showing off. I'm doing it for Allah. I'm going to do it even, more be- even better for the sake of Allah. 
Because sometimes shaitan will come to you and say, stop doing this, you're showing off. And so you'll be like, yeah, I'm showing off, okay, let me just do it fast. And I don't want to do it in a good way. No. Do it better for the sake of Allah when shaitan tells you that. So shaitan never comes back to you. Fine. And then the, last, the third one is, the third one is, a person whose who's, who's good deeds, the majority of his good deeds generally, are with riya. He does the majority of his good deeds for his riya. So he, he generally is... Yani, um, yani, his no, not the, the, sorry, sorry, sorry. We say the foundation of his good of his deeds, meaning the foundation of his iman, is just showing off. He's not really a believer. He just acts like a believer to show off to the people. Then this is a who? He's a munafiq. This is a hypocrite. Munafiq. He's not a Muslim. And this is shirk akbar, major kufr. And the third, the fourth situation is what? A person, his iman is is correct. Like in the, a lot of his good deeds are for the sake of riyah, then this one has a, this person has nifaq in his actions. His, his actions have a, have a lot. Have, his actions have a lot of hypocrisy in it, and it's a major sin. But it doesn't take him outside of Islam, and it's the situation of the people who are the majority of the munafiqeen. Generally, this, generally the munafiqeen do this, but because the foundation of his iman is Islam, then he is still a believer. So you can say he's a believer, and his actions. A lot of his actions are, 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 are based on hypocrisy. Is that clear? Hmm. No. The third type of soul is taken hmm. outside the soul. Taken outside. If a person is, Iman is based on, he doesn't have Iman. He's just showing off. He says he has Iman. Is the person, does he even enter Islam in the first place? No. No. But outside Zahiran, yeah. We treat him as a Muslim. We treat him as a Muslim. Like on the day of judgment, he's a kafir. He's going to be in hellfire forever. Allah says in the Quran. In the munafiqeen, in the dark and the lowest pits of the The munafiqeen, they're going to be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. That's the one who, he has no iman, but he acts like he has iman. Taib, is it forgiven or not? This is the last masala before we go into the evidences. Inshallah. Al-riyah is a type of shirk, right? And Allah says in the Quran, Inna Allaha la yaghfiru an yushraka bih. Allah does not forgive for shirk to happen with him. If someone does shirk with Allah, Allah will not forgive it. So does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive Shirk, uh, riyah, if a person dies on it and he, was, he, he was doing riyah And he never repented And then he died There's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars the, is, there, is there riyah forgiven or not The, the, the famous opinion amongst The Imam of Najd Sheikh Muhammad Wahab, the author and, and the scholars of Najd and Ibn Taymiyyah Is that The action of riyah is not forgiven This action Is not forgiven unless you repent from it You know the concept of Actions being forgiven or not forgiven when you die. The khulasa summary is that, is that if a person he dies as a believer, if he dies as a believer and he stays away from major sins, then Allah will forgive all of his minor sins when, when he dies, even if he doesn't repent from it. He does some minor sins, Allah will forgive him when he dies. A person who does major sins, he's a believer and he does major sins, Allah and he dies without repenting from it, then Allah on the day of judgment, He might forgive him and He might not forgive him. He might, He might, He weigh, weigh out his, weigh his good deeds or those that that will, will that bad deed that major sin, will it be put on the scale on the day of judgment or not? So the scholars say Allah, if He wants, He'll put it, and if He wants, He'll forgive him. He won't even put it on the on the scale on the day of judgment. Allah on the major sin. As for the one who dies upon shirk al-akbar, major shirk, then He has no good deeds. He's going to be in hellfire forever, and that shirk will never be forgiven. He'll be in hellfire forever. Tayyib, what about the one who dies with minor shirk? 
Then we say that person, he's between the major shirk and the major sin. The major shirk is going to be in the hellfire forever and will never be forgiven. The sin will always be there. And the major sin, which Allah may forgive and Allah may not forgive. We say if the person dies and he done a shirk, a riyah, showed off, and he never repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from it, then it will be put on his scale on that, on that day. It will be put on his scale. If his good deeds are more, then alhamdulillah he will still go to Jannah. And if his bad deeds are more, then he'll go to the hellfire and he'll be entered into Jannah later on because he's a believer. He's still a believer. He's not a person who died upon major shirk. So that's, the, that's from the, one of the reasons that the scholars, they say, major shirk or minor shirk is worse than the major sins. Minor shirk is worse than the major sins. Because if you don't repent from it, then it will be put on your scale definitely. As opposed to Allah just wiping it off. No, Allah will put it on your, on your scale. And then if your good deeds are more, you go into Jannah. And if your bad deeds are more, you go to the hellfire. And then you enter into Jannah eventually. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enter, into, enter all of us into Jannah without any hisab or adab. Tayyip, what's the last situation? Someone, he committed shirk, a major shirk, a minor shirk, and all the sins in the world, but he repented before he dies. Allah forgives him. You understand? You understand that? So when we're talking about does Allah forgive shirk, what, or major or minor, what, do we, what are we talking about in that situation? We're talking about if he dies upon it. Even a major sin. If a person commits major sin. When we say he, Allah may forgive him, may not. What do we mean? That's he may forgive him, may not. If he dies, dies upon it. Like, what if he repented from the shirk and major sin, a minor, minor shirk. If he re- repented from it before he died. Then in that situation, Allah will forgive it. And he won't, be, he won't come under these. What we're talking about. Do you guys understand? So when, when, we, when we say Allah does not forgive shirk, what do we mean? The one who dies upon shirk. As for someone who dies before, who repents before he dies, then Allah will forgive all of his sins. How do we know if a person is tawbah? You don't. You have to ask Allah constantly to forgive you. Constantly a person should always ask Allah to forgive me. That's why the Salaf say, I asked Allah to forgive me 10,000 times for each sin that I've done in my life. Mm. Um, so, is that the question? No, that's... There's, there's no action that um, is, is possible for your tawbah not to be accepted? No, yeah. Every single action Allah will forgive. Every. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَى أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهِ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا Allah forgives all sins. No sin that Allah does not forgive. So, uh, what if a person were to commit minor shirk at some point, but then they made the intention to ask for forgiveness or make the tawbah, but then they died, and they died upon that, but they had the intention to. Then, inshallah, that intention is enough. In the hadith, النَّدَمُ تَوْبَةِ Regretting is itself is a type of tawbah. Inshallah ta'ala in that situation is enough As long as he's not still doing it And if he's doing it and then he dies Whilst he's doing it and he says I'm going to repent later Then no, that's different Like if he died, if he, if he stopped doing it And then he, he just wasn't able to say Oh Allah forgive me But he said okay I'm never going to do this again Yeah it's fine inshallah Tayyip uh, That is a riyah And this is, this is the reason why the scholars and the, the, the sahaba And the salaf They will be so scared of a riyah So Imam Shafi'i says لا يعرف الرياح إلا المخلصون no one knows the riyah except for those who are sincere. They're very scared of the riyah. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is going to come in this hadith. أخوف ما أخاف عليكم الشرك الخفي. The most the thing I, I, I fear for you the most is hidden shirk. And that is the riyah. Then he said, الشرك الخفي. A man he stands up and he prays. فيزينه لما يراه من نظر الرجل. He beautifies his salah because he sees people looking at him. This is, this is the type of shirk that the Prophet said is I, I fear for you the most. The thing that I fear for you the most. Allah says in the Quran, 
قل إنما أنا بشر مثلكم يوحى إلي أنما إلهكم إله واحد فمن كان يرجو لقاء ربه فليعمل عملا صالحا ولا يشرك بعبادة ربه أحدا This ayah, the scholars they say, هذه الآية uh, This ayah uproots the tree of shirk it takes out the, tr- the you know the, the tree from it, de- it takes it out from the roots. It takes out shirk from the roots. If a person understands this ayah, shirk will never enter into his heart. Inshallah, if he in- internalizes it and he deeply, deeply understands it. Look what, it's, what it says in the Quran. It says in this ayah, from many different angles, this ayah speaks about if a person internalizes it, he will never be able to commit shirk if he really internalizes it. Allah says, "Qul inna ma ana basharun mithlukum." Say to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I am, I'm only a human being just like you. Yuha ilayya It's been revealed to me Annama ilahukum ilahun wahid That you're, the one you worship is only one, one deity that you should worship. Ilahun wahid. So it says فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ Whoever hopes in the meeting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Then do your good deeds وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا And do not ever do shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, with anyone. They say this, this ayah, look how many angles of it does it take out of shirk? Four different angles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you contemplate upon it, you would never ever be able to do shirk. The first angle is, Say, I'm only a human being like you. If you understand that the one that you're showing off, is a human being just like you. Just like you sin, he sins as well. Just like you were born from mimma'in maheen, from a liquid that if you were to have it on your clothes, you would wash that, cl- that liquid off straight away. Right? That human being that you're showing off to is exactly a human being just like you. He's nothing different. He goes to the toilet as well. He does everything that you do. So why are you showing off to him? Why you, what, what's so special about him? If you internalize that. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشْرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ يوحى إلي أنما إلهكم إله واحد. And what's been revealed to me to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that your Lord is only one. The Creator, your, 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 the one, the one that you should worship, إله واحد. There's only one deity, one God that you should worship. And so, if there is only one that you should worship, why are you doing an act of worship for someone else? So, someone to see you and to praise you? Do you think that they own something that they can give you that Allah doesn't own? If Allah doesn't want you to get that thing that you're trying to gain from them. They are never going to gain it. And you're trying to be praised by someone because they see you. Or that you're trying to, you think that someone uh, thinking good of you is, is praiseworthy, is something that's going to give you something or benefit you. And that's only Allah. And as the, one, of the men, one of the people, they came to the Prophet wasallam said, and he said, who are you? And so the, the man, he said, the Prophet said, who are you? So the man said, shayn wa zayn. He said, I'm the one that if I praise you, you're going to be beautified. And if I speak bad about you, then that's it, you're done. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah. That's Allah, that's not you. And if you praise me and you speak bad about me, that's not going to do anything. Allah, that's Allah only. Right? That's all. When someone's trying to show off, you're trying to recite the Quran in front of other people, or and you beautify your voice for other people, for, for, for them to praise you for it, trying to give charity for other people. Trying to seek knowledge for other people, you're trying to pray for other people. All your good deeds, anything, anything good deed, that person can't do anything for you. But when Allah loves you, we know the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that Jibreel will love you, and everyone in the heavens and the earth will love you, and then the acceptance will come down on the earth for you as well. 
That's from Allah loving you. That's for the people, if they love you, even if all of them love you, or a lot of them, they act like they love you, they know that if Allah does not love you, then the people will never love you eventually. طيب. أنما إلهكم إله واحد فمن كان يرجو لقاء ربه فليعمل عملا صالحا Whoever hopes in the meeting of his Lord then let him do good deeds عملا صالحا What's the عمل صالح? What's the good deed? What's the good deed? What's the condition of a good deed? إخلاص المتابعة You do it sincere You're doing it sincerely right? So no deed is considered to be good صالح A good deed Unless it's done sincerely for the sake of Allah. And if you do an action based on Riyah, then is it for the sake of Allah? No, it's not. So it doesn't come under that. So if you hope to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then make sure your deeds are salih. They're, they're good deeds. And then he says, وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا And let him not do any shirk with the worship of his Lord. And Riyah is a type of, is a type of shirk. And they say this ayah, Removes a riyah from its roots. If a person internalizes these these concepts in this ayah, then riyah will never enter into your heart. Bismillah. Why not? You know. The last ayah of Surah Kahf. Why not? Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu marfu'an qala. Abu Huraira he said from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam qala Allah taala Allah said what's the hadith ilahi. Ana aghna shurakai an shirk. Man amil amalan ashrak ma'ya fihi ghairi. تركته وشركه. I am in no need of the شركاء. أنا أغنى الشركاء عن الشرك. I am the most يعني self-sufficient. I know I don't need the shirk of people. People to do shirk with me. من عمل عملا. Whoever does a good deed. أشرك فيه معي غيري. He does this good deed for me. And he does it for someone else. So notice here how الرياح a person not, isn't necessarily going to be doing it only for other people. He might do it for Allah, but there is other people inside of, it, of his intention. So he's saying, yes, I am praying for the sake of Allah, but I'm also praying for that person. I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of Allah, but I'm also doing it for this person. Trying to make them praise me as well. Then Allah says, I don't, I don't need to be a partner in a good deed. Allah does not want your good deed that's half. Half for Allah, half for someone else. Is that, is that how you're going to treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. He said, من, من أشرك فيه من عمل عملا Whoever does a, good, uh, does a deed أشرك فيه معي غيري He does And he does a good deed And he gives a portion to someone else تركته وشركه I'm going to leave him alone And I'm going to leave his shirk as well Meaning that good deed Is going to be null and void Allah is not going to accept it You can give it to whoever wanted to give it to him رواه مسلم وعن أبي سعيد المرفوع From أبو سعيد الخدري مرفوع ألا أخبركم بما هو أخوف عليكم عندي من المسيح الدجال The Prophet said Should I not tell you about what I fear for you more than المسيح الدجال I fear for this more than الدجال The biggest fitna to ever hit the earth is dajjal That will, have ever, that will, that will ever hit the earth is going to be dajjal But Allah, the Prophet fears الرياق more He fears الرياق more for the people Because الرياق is the is not is not is, is the as they say the 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 sin of the righteous is the sin of the righteous the one who's not righteous the one who's who's doing sins all the time he's not going to show off he's really doing sins like in the righteous person he's praying and he's seeking knowledge and he's doing all of these things but he is the one where enters into his heart because he's the one who's doing good deeds in the first place that's where he can now Take those good deeds and do it for the sake of other people. 
That's why they say. So that's why Dajjal is more, he's more scared for, for, for shirk than the Dajjal. For shirk, uh, for Riyadh than Dajjal. Why? Because Dajjal is a clear enemy. And Riyadh is not a clear enemy. Alright? That's how some of the scholars they mention it. He said, Qalu bala ya Rasulullah, tell us about this sin. Qala al-shirku al-khafi, hidden shirk. Yaqumu al-rajulu fayusalli fayuzayinu salatahu lima yara min nazari rajul. That person, he stands up and he prays. And so he beautifies his salah because he sees people looking at him. Rawahu Ahmed, narrated by Ahmed, it is Muslim. Is that Sorry? Then I'm saying like showing off when it comes to good deeds, Ariya, is that only with good deeds or is it what's concerned with like for example if you have wealth and you're showing it off or No, that's not. Ariya is only for good deeds, yeah. Ariya is only for good deeds. Should be boasting with money and wealth and ability, saying I'm good at this and good at that. That's not Ariya. That's not Ariya. Mm. Say someone's uh, seeing praise from people. Mm. Um, and they feel like that is affecting their heart. Mm. What's the best way to go about? Remember this. Remember this ayah. Inna That person who's praising me is like a human being just like me. He doesn't know my sins. I know my sins. I'm busy with my sins. A person should try to block out these, these this praise that people give you. Don't don't look at them as if nah, he's going to praise you and then it, it, it deceives you, makes you think that you're something. Because eventually you know yourself better than them. You know yourself that you're a sinner. You know yourself that you're, as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Kullu bni Adam khata, kullu bni Adam khata." Every son of Adam constantly makes sins, constantly makes mistakes, right? So if a person constantly, you remind yourself of the reality of yourself, and then remind yourself of the reality of that person who's praising you. He doesn't even know me. He doesn't know my sins. He doesn't know the the, the things that I know. I know about myself. He doesn't know that, right? The, he's and he and he might be someone who has as another human being. He's deficient himself. So how can he know? Who's good and who's not? Like, and remind yourself in these kind of things. Allah mustahan. Fihi masail the masail of this alula tafsiru ayat al kahf. The thaniya had al amr al azim fi radi al amal al salih ida dakhlahu shi. Alhamdulillah. This huge thing that fi fi radi al amal al salih ida dakhlahu shi on li ghair Allah that the good deed is rejected if any portion is given to other than Allah. Is rejected. And the reason for that is that Allah does not need it. Yeah, and you're going to give Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala half of a good deed, and the other half is going to give it to someone else. Allah does not need your whole good deed anyway. Why is He going to accept your half when you're giving it to someone else? Rabbi'ah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of the shuraka, those that are worshipped. <laughs> the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he feared on his companions al riya. He feared the companions for, for them to commit riya. Sadis anhu fassara dalika bi an yusalli al mar. And the explanation of al riya is that a person he prays lillah for the sake of Allah. So he prayed. He started off praying for who? For Allah, right? Lakin yuzayinuha lima yara min nazari rajulin ilay. But then he beautifies it. The beautification of the salah is when he showed off. He didn't show off. He didn't show off when it comes to initiating the salah. He sh- showed off when it comes to beautifying the salah. Babu min babu min al-shirki iradatul insani bi'amalihi dunya. Part of shirk is for a person to want with his good deeds the dunya. 
he does a good deed for nothing other than the dunya. For worldly gains, yani. For worldly gains. He does a good deed for worldly gains. This is a type of shirk as well. And what we mean by, and there's two types of, there's two categories of this. Number one is a person who all of his good deeds are for the dunya. All of his good deeds. He's basically, his Islam is based for his, the worldly gains that he's going to get for claiming to be a Muslim. Then this is who? A munafiq again, hypocrite. This is major shirk. Major shirk. Takes you out of Islam. And number two is a person who some of his actions are for the worldly gains. Then this is a sign of nifaq, sign of hypocrisy that is in a believer. And it invalidates the good deed. And it invalidates the good deed. Hmm. If a person like beautifies this Allah, because uh, it nullifies it, do they have to make up that salah later on? No, no. It, inval- it validates in front of Allah in terms of good deed, rewarding. As for actually praying the salah, then your salah is got done. You prayed salah al-fajr, you don't have to pray again. For example, someone who prayed salah al-fajr out of showing off, his salah is done. You can't pray, say, I'm repeating my salah because I showed off in that salah. Or she showed off in part of the salah. You don't repeat your salah. You just don't get, uh, you don't get the reward and rather you're sinning. And you repent from it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it. Okay, but the person he wants is is is, is action in the, for this dunya. He says, so those are the two situations, right? The person is all of his good deeds are for the dunya, for the worldly gains. And that's major. It's major shirk. All of them. Yeah, and his belief is iman. All of it. Is it permissible to use like a white lie to cover up? A white lie yeah. to cover up? I think, I think that's what he's called. So, like for example, someone says, um, "You look tired." Mm. You're gonna sleep, mm. and you know you've been praying all night. Mm. Is it permissible for you to say? You can use ma'arid, which is not a lie, a white lie, black lie, all the same. This is not what color the lie is. A lie is a lie. Okay. No. Yeah, they, no. Ma'arid is different. And if you use something that's not a lie at all, but it might allude to something else, you intend something. For example, someone says you were. You were praying last For example You say You look tired Did you not sleep? I said nah My The lights were on all, day, all night What you intend is the light outside of the lamppost What's on all night? You get it? Something like that It's not a lie It's a Ma'arid Min al-ma'arid You understand? Salaud Salaud As for a lie? No A lie is not a lie Tayyib Naam Min al-shirk Iradat al-insani Everyone got that yeah? Mm. It is for your for any of your good deeds to be for the dunya. And this is the sign of hypocrisy in fact. Any yeah. Any good deed, then this is the sign of nifaq and it's a sin. Allah tells us in the Quran As for as for the another situation which is a person does a good deed and he gains dunya from it. He gains dunya from it. You do a good deed and you gain some dunya from it. For example what jihad. Someone goes for jihad and you get spoils of war. If you initiated your jihad for, for in the army, you initiated it, you went there, in order just to get spoils of war, then your action it will be null and void. You won't get no, any reward for it. Your reward is what? The spoils of war that you got. But if a person he goes and he fights for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he gets rewards, he gets the, 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 the beauty of war from it. Then he gained the good, he gained he done the good deed and he gained dunya from his own. So the difference is what the intention. Someone 
teaches the Quran. Someone teaches the Quran. He teaches the Quran, but his intention is to teach the Quran. And he gets money from it, which is permissible. He gets money from it. Then what? Then his good deed is still there, and he gets the money there as well. Some of the scholars, they mention, but the gaining of the worldly gains, if it is done, then it could uh, take away some of the reward. Because the Prophet said, when the mujahid, the mujahideen, when they go out of and they gain money, they gain the beauty of war, they have two-thirds of their reward has gone. The dunya that they got is two-thirds of the reward, one-third is remaining for them. طيب. So therefore, uh, there's a difference. And what's the, what's the dabit? How do you know if you're doing something for the dunya and doing something for the akhirah? Ask yourself, if I was to not get this money, would I do it or not? Then, if you, would, if you were still to do it, then, you're, then it's for the dunya. Then, it's, then, you're, then your intention is correct. And if you weren't, if you say, if there's no money, I wouldn't do it, then your intention is wrong. And your deed that you're doing, it comes under this back. Is that clear? Is that clear, yeah? As, as for someone um, buying, buying a present for someone, mm. and it's for the sole purpose of just getting them a present, what is that? That's fine. That's not a good deed, and it's not a bad deed. If you had, if, if you had the intention, you'll get rewarded. That's what they say, in right? Actions are by intentions. If you had a good intention for anything, you get rewarded. Even eating, drinking, sleeping. sleeping. You're rewarded if you have a good intention for it. Yeah, let's say, for example, you said how you, you mentioned you had, um, let's say, a person initiates his, um, initiates his, his intention is for the, the spoils of war. Mm. But then as he's, let's say, as he's on his way or, or whatnot, his intention changes or he rectifies his intention to be like, no, this is for Allah. Then he rewarded for it, inshallah. He's then he's rewarded but On his way, if he changes it, it's good. Yeah, okay. changing your intentions a lot is fine. Tayyip. Allah says in the Quran, "Man kana yuridu, man kana yuridu al-hayat al-dunya wa zinatha, nuwafi ilayhi ma'amalhum fiha wa hum fiha la yubxasun. Ulaik al-ladin leis lahum fi al-akhirat illa al-nar, wa habita ma sana'u fiha wa batil ma kanu yamalun." Whoever, man kana yuridu al-hayat al-dunya wa zinatha, whoever intends the hayat of this dunya, the worldly life, and its beautification, nuwafi ilayhi ma'amalhum fiha, then your good deeds, you're going to be giving, you're going to be given that good deed in this dunya. You're not going to be given it in the Akhirah. These people, they will have nothing in the Akhirah other than the Hellfire. And the good deeds that you've done in this dunya will be null and void. It won't, be, it, won't be, it, won't be, it won't benefit you. And all of the actions will be null and void, invalid. طيب. That is the, the, the example of the person who does something. Say mm-hmm. so if somebody does an action uh, with the intention of getting a world in terms of dumb jihad, they go and get the spoils, but then in their, their intention that from the spoils they want to spend it again for the path of the life. Is that a bad intention? That is not necessarily a bad intention, but the, the original action of jihad is not rewarded for it. But the actions of taking the spoils and giving it for the sake of Allah is rewarded for it. So different actions. You could have got rewarded for two things. In this hadith, for example, of this is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when he mentioned the first three people that will be thrown into the hellfire, the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam said, oh, the first people that will be thrown in the hellfire are the worshipper, I mean, sorry, the mujahid fi sabilillah, and the alim, the scholar, and the one who used to give charity. These three people will be the first three people by who, with with whom the hellfire will be ignited. As for the one who was a scholar. 
Then you'll be asked him, why did you learn? And he will say, I learned for the sake of Allah and Allah will say, you have light. You learned so the people can say, you're a scholar. And you were given that. What happened to him? His reward was given to him in this dunya. What was his intention? People say he's a scholar. People said he's a scholar. That's your reward. If your intention was Jannah, you would have got Jannah. Well, jihad fi He died for sabilillah. His intention was so the people can say to him, and to Jari, you're, you're someone who is brave. And he was said, you're a brave person. And that was your reward. You have no reward in the Akhirah because you had no intention in the Akhirah. And the one who used to give charity, your, your intention was so the people can say that you're, you're generous. And people said that you're generous. And then he'll be taken. All of these three people, all of these people, they'll be thrown in the hellfire face first. That's what he means by They'll be given their reward in this dunya. Your intention was the dunya, therefore you'll be given your reward in the dunya. The, the first three people? I didn't say in order, from what I remember. That was, it was the the, 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 one, the scholar, the mujahid, and the one who gives charity. Yeah. So this hadith, is it, is it um, specific three people, or is it awsaf, like the sabbat and like that? Generally, generally, anyone who does actions for yeah. Anyone who does actions for the dunya. وفي الصحيح إن أوثانتك حديث عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم تعيس عبد الدينار تعيس عبد الدرهم تعيس عبد الخميصة تعيس عبد الخميلة he is destroyed the slave of the dinar the gold وتعيس عبد الدرهم slave of silver تعيس عبد الخميصة تعيس عبد الخميلة which are two types of clothing okay what he's talking about is that he's destroyed the slave of the dunya. Whatever he does, he does it for the dunya. He doesn't do anything for the akhirah. If he is given, then he's happy. If he's given from the dunya, he's happy. And if he's not given to the, from this dunya, he's angry. He is destroyed and he will be uh, uh, another type of destruction. Destroyed he is. And when they say that, this is talking about with a thorn. If a thorn pricks him, then he will not be able to take it out. And some scholars, this is literal. That a person, he's always showing off. All of his actions are just showing off. When a thorn goes inside of him, a lot of times he won't be able to take it off. There's some scholars, they mention that. Wallahu alam. The point is that that person is destroyed. Then the opposite. All tuba is, some scholars, they say it's a tree in Jannah. And some scholars they say Tuba means all good in the dunya and the akhirah. Mean tib, tib, something good. Tib, Tuba. All good in the dunya and the akhirah. It's for who? Li'abdin akhidin bi'inani farasihi fi sabilillah. Is a person he takes the ropes of his horse, the reins of his horse for the sabilillah, in the path of Allah. Ash'atha ra'suhu. His hair is dusty. Mubarratan qadama. And his feet are dusty. Fi sabilillah is going jihad. إن كان في الحراسة كان في الحراسة وإن كان في الساقة كان في الساقة. If he's in the, if he's told just to sit back and and be a guard, he's okay, he's happy. He's doing fi sabilillah. He's not trying to be the most brave person there or act like the most brave person there. Sorry, he doesn't mind if he's in the back. إن كان في الحراسة كان في الحراسة. And this is something that's not just specific for jihad, right? Sometimes a person doesn't have to be the one speaking on the microphone. He doesn't have to be the one leading the salah. Doesn't have to be the one. If if he's not if he's if he's not there leading the salah, he's not going to be there. And that, that's the description of some some people. If he's not the one who's being listened to, then he's not going to attend. 
If he's not the one speaking, he's not going to attend. Huh? All of these are dangerous, dangerous characteristics for people. If you're not the one doing the most important job, then you think that, no, it's not good enough. I'm not part of it. No. Allah Prophet says, And if he's in the front line, he's in the main part of the army. You know, the army is in, it's, there's a saq of the army, there's janah as well. They have the army, different, ta- what's it called? Not tactics. <laughs> formation, naam. The different formation of the army. There's a janah in the Arab army. And the Prophet said, they have the saq and the janah. The wings of the army in the back and the front. Like if he's at the front, in kana fisaka, tikana fisaka. This man in istaadhan alam yuadhan lah, wa in shafa alam yushafa. If he seeks permission, permission isn't given to him. And he's not seen to be someone very important. Wa in shafa, and if he asks someone to help, or if he intercedes on someone's behalf, no one, no one accepts his intercession. He's not someone very important in the eyes of the people, but in front of Allah subhanahu wa taala, he's important because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tuba he said that all good will be good for, the, will be for this person. Don't think that you have to be the main person in everything, in every good deed. You don't have to be. Don't be someone who only, only if you're the one, if you're the main person, you're the main, you're the main focus, then you're gonna be there. But if you're not, and if you're, you just have to be in the sidelines. You're not gonna, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna say that no, I can't come. I'm too big for that. In your heart, you're thinking I'm too big for that. No. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala protect us from that. Yeah, if, if, if one thinks, um, one has the thought in his head that one's showing off, is that a sin? No. For one to think of? No, if he thinks he's showing off, then it's not a sin, as long as you don't act by that thought. As long as you're not actually showing off. And if you just think you're showing off, but you're not really showing off, this was worse from shaitan. So what do you do? You ignore it. You ignore it, and you, in fact, you do more good. You do it better. I'm talking about if, if he thinks another person's showing off. Oh, so if you think someone else is showing off. Yeah. Now, this can be a sin. It can be a sin. Allah, I need to look into it. And the different situations, the scholars, they do mention different situations of this. I can need to revise that, inshallah. This hadith is narrated by Al-Bukhari. It's not, it's not mentioned in the book. It's narrated by Bukhari. That a person who wants the dunya by the actions of the akhirah. That a Muslim can be called the slave of a dinar, of gold and silver, of money. He's a slave to money. Beautiful, different uh, luxuries in this dunya. What is he talking about? He's talking about if someone he is, if he's given, then he's happy. And if he's not given, then from the dunya, then he's angry. No, it's 7.30, right? Time changed. 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah, time changed. We're one hour forward. I got scared. Yeah, 7.30. Should we go? keep going on? This talking about obeying the scholars and the leaders. When saying something is haram or something is halal. Or something that is halal, you say that is haram. Then you have taken them as a lord. What does it mean by that? If a person, he believes 
that something becomes halal or haram based on the saying of any other person, then this is called istihlal. And this is kufr, this belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you've made something that was haram in front of Allah, you've, you've believed it is halal. For example, someone says to you, like the Jews, their rabbis, when they would say something is halal, they would accept it. And they know that it's not halal. And when they, they would, the, the, the rabbis would say something is haram, they would accept it. And they know that it's not haram, but because their rabbis said it, they would believe it. For example, someone says to you, bread is haram. And you just follow him. Not because of Quran or Sunnah, you don't believe it. No, you just follow him. Because it's him, he's saying it. It's something that is known in the religion by necessity. You know that it's haram. Everyone knows that it's haram. Alcohol is haram. He says alcohol is halal. Riba is haram. He says riba is halal. Zina is haram. He says riba is, zina is halal. And you follow him because of what? Not because you think that he has, or because you're ignorant and you have, and he has, he's the mujtahid. No, you follow him because of him. And you don't, it's the halal. This is kufr billah. You understand? Hmm. Is this actually their belief to take from their rabbi? Is it part of their actual beliefs? It's not part of their beliefs. But they've done that. The Jews, they've done that. Why? 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 Some people they do it. Have you not seen the so Sufi Sheikh? Is, is it their whole religion as a whole that does that? No, it's not the religion. It's the people in the in part of the religion. It just happens to have ha- to have happened that their religion has been changed so much that they, the, maybe you could maybe you could say the majority or all of the Jews they do it. As for Islam, then there will never be a time where Islam, all of the Muslims they do that because Islam is preserved. Their religion is not preserved. Christianity is not preserved. But as Islam, our Islam is preserved. So even if we have do, if we, we do have some people who claim to be Muslim who do that, no, no, there will never come a time where all Muslims do that because our religion is preserved. It will never be given to those to the sheikhs of those people who make things halal and haram. Like the the Sufi sheikhs who say, "I don't have to pray, praying. I don't have to pray for me. I, I reach the level of yaqeen. I don't have to pray." Things like that. They they do that until today. It's it's, it's present. They they have this belief that once you reach a certain level, you no longer have to pray. Or they, or they say, and to the point that they have ta'alluq, they have this connection to their sheikh so much, that if he says something is halal, then it's halal. Why? And you ask him why, even though the Quran says this is haram, he says, no, he knows, he has a, he has a secret. He knows. <laughs> it's cool, it's true. I, I know you guys are laughing, like, well, it's true, they believe that. They say that the sheikh has a secret between Allah, sir. He's sir with Allah. He has a connection with Allah. And people believe that today. And you'd be shocked. So, this is what he's talking about. What it is not talking about is when someone does a good deed or does a haram action. He merely does it without believing that it's halal or haram. He believes it's haram and he drinks alcohol. He still believes it's haram. Is he a kafir? No, this is the method of the khawarij. The khawarij. That's why today, the today when uh, they, they say the leaders, the leaders, they... They don't, they don't disallow riba. They allow riba in their countries. Is that a kufr or not? Why is it a kufr? Because they haven't said it's halal. Because it's not istihlal. Ibn Taymiyyah, he brings ijma'ah. He quotes a consensus. No difference of opinion amongst the scholars that istihlal is an action of the heart. It is an action of it's an action of the heart. It's not an action of the limbs. And the people who made istihlal the action of the limbs were always the khawarij. That's why the khawarij they will make takfir on the one who drinks alcohol. From amongst their reasonings is what? That if you constantly drink alcohol, then you're a kafir because you must believe it's halal. Is that the case? No, you might believe it's haram, but he still does it all the time. Right? That's the method of the khawarij. That's why they make takfir of a lot of the governments today. That's one of the reasons as well. 
So, why does he mention the author here? specifically, when we say it's anyone, yani if someone, if someone tells you he's not an alim or anything, he tells you this is halal or haram, and you believe it's halal or haram because of him, then it's still kufr, right? So why does he mention ata'a al-ulama' al More likely. More likely, ahsent. This more likely happens. It's more likely that the people that are going to tell you something is halal and haram are going to be the scholars, the fake scholars, or the umara, the leaders. Because a lot of time these are the people who are obeyed anyway. The scholars and the leaders are obeyed generally. They, should, they obey generally. So when the, when the masses, they obey them to a point of taking them as gods besides Allah, where they can say what's halal and what's haram, then this is where it, the limit is there, right? This is where the limit is. Is that clear? Is that clear, guys? Are you sure? Okay. Mm. You know, as for someone who uh, doesn't have knowledge mm. in terms of the method and stuff, you say they, they, uh, they, they ask a question. Mm. Obviously, they don't know the, the, the lead for the answer. So You're allowed to take it. It's different. Asking, an answer, asking for an answer from a, from, a, from a person of knowledge and following his answer is different to believing that he, what he says is halal because he said it. Halal is said because he said it. It's halal. The rabbis would be halal because their rabbis said it. And you bring them the Torah, I said, no, but the, the, the Torah says different. I mean, the, 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 the Marabah said something different. So I believe him. He has the secret of Allah, for example. You, see? Mm. you know, it's, it's halal is, uh, is the action of the heart. When someone comes to you and quite often he says, I believe this is halal, even though the Quran says, for example, uh, like, alcohol is halal. Then he's a kafir billah. Takes out the fold of Islam straight away, no doubt. If he just believes, by just by that statement, if he actually believes that alcohol is halal, then it's disbelief. Someone changes the Quran. They say that the Quran, they change it. That's kufr straight away. Or they say that, I don't have to pray salah. That's kufr. Is that when they say anything that is haram is halal, halal is haram, regardless no. of what No, no. That's a good question. Is it, if you just say anything that's halal, you say it's haram. No, because there's a difference of opinion sometimes, right? If it's something that is ma'lumah min al-deen bil-darura, it's something that is known with the religion by necessity. There is no difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And it's something that is known amongst all of the Muslims that salah is obligatory, right? Then this is something that, if you say it's haram, if it's not obligatory, then it, then it takes you out of Islam. Alcohol is something that all Muslims, they know, it is haram. Therefore, anyone who says alcohol is halal, he leaves the fold of Islam. You understand? So it's the, the things are, the Bible is ma'lumah min al-deen bil-darura. Something that is known in the religion by necessity. And it's not a person who just became Muslim. For example, a person just became Muslim, new Muslim, brand new Muslim. He says alcohol is not haram. We, he's excused because he just became Muslim. Or, scholars, they also give another exception is someone who lived in a place where Islam is not there. There's no Islam. He lived in a country or in a jungle. He's born and raised in a jungle. Nothing's there. There's not anything. But they just call themselves Muslim. And in that case, that person is also excused in that situation. Mm. Is there an um, um, excuse of ignorance from a person who has um, a corrupt belief? All his life, his, his parents taught him a corrupt belief, but he's jahil, he just follows. There's a difference of opinion. Uh, gen- generally, if there's someone who has a corrupt belief, if it is shirk, there's difference of opinion. And if a person believes in shirk, and he calls cl- himself Muslim, but he's, he, he believes in shirk, is he excused uh, because of his corrupt belief? There is a difference of opinion. Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, and some ulama, they say, that he is excused if he's in a place where he couldn't have learnt. Or he's a new Muslim. So if he's in a place where he couldn't have learnt, he couldn't have asked questions, then he's excused. And if he's in a place where he could have, then he's not excused. Wallahu alam. 
Another opinion which seems to be strong, Wallahu alam, is that in the dunya, if he's a shirk, if it's shirk, if it's shirk, in the dunya, then he's considered to be a non-Muslim. So we can't pray behind him because they worship besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether we know whether they were ignorant or not, we don't pray behind them. And this seems to be strong. That we don't, in the dunya, they're not Muslim. And in the akhirah, maybe Allah will forgive them because they didn't know. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test them. That Allah will test them just like those people who never got the message. Allah Muhammad. Someone says alcohol is halal as a joke. It's cool Allah seems like Allah Muslim. This is the hadith this is from narrated by Ibn Abbas that he said that he said I say Yushiku Stones are almost gonna fall from the skies and punish you from the skies. I say to you, I'm telling you Abu Qala Rasulullah the Prophet said and you're saying to me Abu Bakr and Umar said and he's not talking about the same topic of making halal and haram, but what it's talking about is Shiddatul Ittiba how important it is and how severe it is for you to follow the Prophet and how severe it is for you to follow other than the Prophet when the message of the Prophet clearly comes to you. This story is narrated, uh, uh, some of the scholars they mentioned is narrated by Imam Ahmed from his Zuhud, in his Kitab al-Zuhud. And it's a, it's a lost book, it's not found. But Ibn Taymiyyah attributes it to that book. And he references it in his Majmu' al-Fatawa, this Athar, to that book. Which is not, we don't have that book anymore, by Imam Ahmed. The point about there is there are things that have been narrated similar to this from from Ibn Abbas, like from Ibn Abd al-Bar, but not the exact same wording. The point is that they say the reason why this happened was that, that at the time of Abu Bakr and Umar, radiallahu anhumah, they would command the people to do Hajj al-Ifrad, which is a type of Hajj. And Ibn Abbas used to believe that you should do Hajj al-Tamattu'. And all three are allowed. But Ibn Abbas would tell the people to do Tamattu'. And, they would, and he would say, the Prophet وسلم, commanded us to do tamattu. And so the people, they said to him, but Abu Bakr and Umar said such and such, let's do ifrad. So Ibn Abbas said, Aqulu lakum qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, taquluna qala Abu Bakr wa Umar. I say to you, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and you're telling me Abu Bakr and Umar. And it shows how severe and how, how strict the companions were when it comes to following the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's speech. That when you find the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is not permissible for you to go to anyone else's speech. Whoever it is, no matter who it is. As Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, and, his, and he quoted an ijma' saying, uh, The scholars, they have unanimously agreed, That whoever sees and knows the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu it was not permissible for him to go to the speech of anyone else. No matter whoever it is. And this is, obviously, what comes under it from... Uh, is the one who makes something halal based on someone else's speech. But what also comes under it are people who are fan, fan, uh, they're very fanatic towards their madhab or to their shaykh or to their opinion because of, a, uh, because of the opinion of a person. He says, you say to him, why do you not do such and such action which is from the sunnah of the Prophet and he doesn't give you any excuse which is no, the hadith is weak or I believe the hadith is weak or I believe that the, 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 the lead is this and that or there's another hadith that says this and that or there's an ayah that says this and that. No. He says, because my shaykh said. That's it. And I follow what my shaykh said. 
Are you saying the Prophet وسلم, said, and this is the scholars, they understood this from the Prophet وسلم, and he believes and he knows this is what the Prophet وسلم, said, but he follows his madhab or something else, then this person comes under that as well. And so this, this is a, 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 a severe warning for the one who follows other than the Prophet Imam Ahmed, look what he says. وَقَالَ أَحْمَدُ بْنُ حَنْبَلِ Imam Ahmed, he said, عَجِبْتُ لِقَوْمٍ عَرَفُوا الْإِسْنَادَ وَصِحَّةَ I am shocked and amazed about people. They know about the chain of narration. وَصِحَّتَهُ And they know that the chain of narration is authentic. يَذْهَبُونَ إِلَى رَأْيِ سُفْيَانَ وَاللَّهُ تَعَالَى يَقُولُ And they go to the opinion of Sufyan. Sufyan al-Thawri. Sufyan al-Thawri from the alim of ulama of Kufa. Imam Ahmed is not trying to belittle him. But what is he saying? He's saying, you know the hadith. And you know that authentic, the, the, the hadith is authentic. And you understand the hadith. And this is for the people who understand hadith. Not someone who is a layman who doesn't understand hadith. Someone who understands the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he but and then but then he hears that so and so another man or another scholar took another opinion, and so he goes to the opinion of the scholar due to due to his fanaticism to that scholar, right? Or he says that Abu Hanifa believes this, so therefore Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah taala believes this, so therefore I'm going to believe it. No, so Imam Ahmad said, "Ajibtu, I'm shocked about that person." And Allah says in the Quran, "فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ." He said, let those people be aware and be scared. Those people who go against the command of the Prophet and to fitna, that fitna may touch them. Or a severe punishment may touch them. That they go intentionally against the command of the Prophet. Where did we get the, the, the understanding that intentionally? Because Allah says, you can say يخالفون أمره They go against the Prophet Sallallahu command Or يخالفون عن أمره عن What it benefits us in the Arabic language Is مجاوزة It shows that they understood the command of the Prophet Sallallahu And they still intentionally went against it Let that person be, be, be fearful أتدري ما الفتنة Imam Ahmed he said about this ayah Do you know what fitna is When Allah says that fitna may touch you If you go against the command of the Prophet Sallallahu intentionally Do you know what fitna is الفتنة الشرك that فتنة الشرك لعله إذا رد بعض قوله أن يقع في قلبه شيء من الزيغ فيهلك that maybe he will reject the command of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and so in his heart it will enter deception or not deception sorry deviance will enter into his heart فيهلك and so he will be destroyed a man came to Imam Ahmed a man came to Imam Malik رحمه الله and he said to him what do you think about someone what do you think about someone who does al-ihram from Bayt al-Maqdis, from Jerusalem? He does ihram from, from Hajj al-Umrah, he does it from Jerusalem. So the Prophet, the, the Imam, Imam Malik, he said he shouldn't do that, he should do it from the Miqat. Come to Jerusalem, he said, what's the difference between a person doing it in Jerusalem and doing it in the Miqat? He said, maybe this person will, I fear for him fitna, he will fall into fitna. What's the difference? Because you're doing it from Jerusalem, you're going to get to the Miqat anyway. And then you can just go on. So why don't I just do it from Jerusalem or do it from before the Miqat? Before I get to the Miqat. He said, I fear for him fitna. And so they said, what kind of fitna is, gonna, is he going to fall into? And Imam Malik, he said, what type of fitna is worse than the one who thinks his actions are better than the actions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? What sort of fitna is worse than that? Oh, but that's the worst type of fitna. You think your actions are worse. And so someone, he goes against the command of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, preferring the command of someone else no doubt this person is going to fall into a type of fitna that will deviate his heart. 
And you see from this, the companions, they would never, lo- they would always, always love to stay exactly where the Prophet ﷺ stayed. They wouldn't go over bounds. They wouldn't, they, would, they, wouldn't go, they wouldn't go past the commands and the hudud, the limits of the Prophet ﷺ. Just in case they deviate because of it. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, I'm never going to leave anything that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told me to do. I'm, I, I fear that I might, I might deviate. This is Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And Amr ibn As, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Asr, he said that when, I, when he was younger and more energetic, he said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to him and said to him, Ikhtim, finish the Qur'an kulli shahr, every month, finish the Qur'an once, every month. And so, the Prophet, so Abdullah, he said, Inni, I can do more than that. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said فَمَرَّتَيْنِ فِي الشَّهْرِ Twice in a month then. So the, uh, Abdullah ibn Amr said I could do more than that. إِنِّي أُطِيقُ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ أو أَفْضَلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ Two different narrations. And so he said Finish the Qur'an every seven days. So he said إِنِّي أُطِيقُ أَفْضَلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ The Prophet said I could do more than that. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Do it every three days. Finish every three days. And so, the, uh, and so he said إِنِّي أُطِيقُ أَفْضَلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ I can do better than that. Finish the Quran more. And so the Prophet said, read it in three days and don't do more. Don't do any more. And so when he got old, he said, I wish I took the rukhsa, the permission of the Prophet, the concession of the Prophet. Because he got older and he couldn't do what he used to do three days at the Quran. It was hard, but he'll still do it. And why? He said, I wish I took the concession. Is he not allowed to read less? Is he allowed? So why didn't he take the concession? Because he never wanted to go against the command of the Prophet, even when he's older. He's not able to, he's hard. He said, I wish I'd done it, but no. Now, because I said the Prophet sallallahu I told him I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm never going to leave this. And so he never ever left that. Even though he wished he took it. طيب. So this is the way of the companions. They would never go against the command of the Prophet. And it's something that a Muslim needs to have in his heart. Submission, complete submission to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his commands. Because the command of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, is the command of Allah. That's not a valid argument. That's someone that's, that comes from, and that's just I don't that don't make sense. Someone says that just because Imam Abu Hanifa came before Imam Ahmed, he's more knowledgeable in Hadith. Based on what do you say that that's because in that case, then everyone who came before is more knowledgeable than everyone who came after. That's not the case. Al Bukhari was more knowledgeable in Hadith than Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Ahmed was more. In fact, that, that statement is false. Imam Ahmed was more knowledgeable than Abu Hanifa in Hadith. In Hadith, I'm not saying generally. In Hadith, he was. In fact, Imam Ahmed was more knowledgeable than Imam Shafi'i and Malik in Hadith. Imam Ahmed was the one who memorized Alf Alf Hadith, one thousand thousand Hadith. How much is that? One million. One million Hadith. Alf Alf because one million have in Arabic language. The word million is not Arabic word. That's why, Alf Alf. Say 1,000,000. He memorized 1 million hadith. Abu Hatim al Razi, he said to the son of Imam Ahmed, Abdullah or Salih, he said to him, Your father memorized 1 million hadith. So he said to him, How do you know? He said, I heard all of them from him. 1 million hadith I heard from, from, from your father. So I have to say that just because he was before, he knows more hadith or is more knowledgeable. Yes, someone who came before has more virtue because he's closer to the companions, yes. But it doesn't necessitate that you have to follow them because of that. Now I'm not saying that you can't follow Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Abu Hanifa is Imam from the Imams of the Muslims. You can follow him. I can just say that you can follow, you have to follow him more than, then I can just say then you have to follow Sa'id and Musayyib because he's more knowledgeable than, he became before Imam Abu Hanifa. 
In fact, you have to follow the Prophet because he's the Prophet. That's a, that's a nonsense. That doesn't make sense. He can, I mean, if, he, if, was, if the brother was a bit, and he had a better argument, he would have said, You have to follow Imam Abu Hanifa because he's earlier. And that makes a little bit more sense. A little, it doesn't make sense. It makes a little bit more sense. Because that one like, doesn't make sense at all. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserved his religion. And that's, uh, I don't understand where he got it from that. You don't listen, listen to everyone. You know, everyone, everyone can speak. Anyone can just speak. Wallah, anyone can just say anything they want. You know that. Anyone. A person can be the most jahil, the most ignorant person. He became Muslim just yesterday. He only went to one class and he heard one thing. Then he got, and he really had a beard and he wore a thobe and he got a camera and he started speaking. You can do that. You know people can do that. Allah, it's possible. It's really, and it happens recently. It's happening more and more. And it's sad. Yeah, and social media is happening more and more. So, yani, that, uh, it's good that you're asking about the argument. Like, in, don't just lend your ear to anyone. Because that doesn't even make sense. Like, if you even think about it, just logically, just give, sit down a little bit and just think about it. Okay, well, the statement that he made, let me think about this. He won't, he, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. The hadith didn't get lost in time. The hadith of the Prophet وسلم, are, are preserved. And the people who preserved the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, in fact, it would be more logical to say that the people who are later, they knew more hadith. The people who are later, they knew more hadith. Why? Because of the early generation, the hadith weren't compiled all together in one collection or many different collections. Later on, there came more collections, right? Imam Ahmed is Muslim, 25,000 hadith in his Muslim. That wasn't there before Imam Ahmed. Al-Bukhari, he came later. 7,000 hadith in Bukhari. Sahih Muslim, they came later. Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, they came later. Ibn Majah. Then you have Dar al-Qutni, he came later. So the people who were late, Dar al-Qutni, they said that how many hadith he memorized. Thousands. He, he, Imam Dar al-Qutni, he, uh, dictated his book Al-Ilal Al-Ilal Al-Warida is a book of I think 50 volumes or 49 volumes depending on the print 49 volumes he dictated it from memory from memory he dictated it all his hadith and you know, it's not just talking about hadith it's talking about the Ilal of hadith the mistakes of hadith so he's talking about 49 volumes speaking about the mistakes of, you know the Orientalists when they try to speak about Islam they try to speak, look at this hadith we've really done it oh, our scholars have really done that we looked at the mistakes of the hadith already, we've done it. And we showed you the mistakes and we said, this is the mistake. We show you how. Imam Al-Dharaqutni, Imam Al-Dhahabi, he comments and he says, In kana fa'ala hadha. If it's true that he dictated the whole ilal from his memory, فَهُوَ أَحْفَظُ أَهْلِ الدُّنْيَا He's the most memorized of the people of the dunya. Imam Al-Dharaqutni. So the hadith were more compiled in later generations. If you're trying to make that as a, as a yardstick, and it's not a yardstick. Because the early generations are better than the late, later generations, even if the later generations knew more hadith. Yani, the one companion, one companion who only narrated a few hadith from the Prophet he is not better than someone who memorized one million hadith from the Prophet Sorry, he is better. Sorry, he's better than the one who memorized one million hadith from the Prophet even if he came after. And the companion who only memorized one hadith, the companion he didn't memorize one hadith. He hasn't. He hasn't narrated any hadith. He's better than all of Imam Ahmed. One million Imam Ahmed, the companion is better. So, and to say that, it doesn't, is the, the fact that he's memorized more hadith is not true, nor does it make him better, necessarily. But, and it doesn't necessarily mean that he's more knowledgeable. A story about Imam al Dar Qutani. Actually, no, no, I'll give it here. <laughs> um, so, how do you reconcile when the uh, Prophet commanded something, but then. Companions might have had a different interpretation for the first example, the length of a bit. Mm. First of all, the length of a bit is not is not the best example. Like in, 
the way to reconcile between you had the Prophet وسلم, said something and a companion has a difference of opinion. Number one, is it really a different opinion? We have to reconcile between that. For example, here in the hadith of when Abu Bakr and Umar were saying do ifrad, did they do it, have a different opinion to the Prophet? No, they didn't. They've done it for a reason. So here it's not really a different opinion. It's a difference of application amongst the companions. The, Abu Bakr and Umar, Umar radiallahu anh, the reason why they say do ifrad instead of tamattu and hajj, the reason why they said it is because they wanted the people to come to Mecca throughout the year instead of just coming to hajj. So they say do hajj at hajj time and when it's umrah, do umrah at, at different times of the year. Because ifrad is just hajj. Tamattu is doing umrah and hajj together. So some people, what they would do is that they would just come to Mecca during the times of Hajj. So Mecca will be busy during Hajj and empty during other times. So out of benefit, the Maslaha, Umar radiallahu anhu said, it's better if I tell the people, do ifrad, just do Hajj when you come to Mecca in Hajj times, and then come for Umar another time. So he wants that Mecca to be busy throughout the year. So did he have a different opinion? He didn't have a different opinion to the Prophet He just saw a benefit at this time that he applied. And Ibn Abbas said, no, we don't want that benefit. You do tamattu. Not at the time though, he done it. He said it later. Because Ibn Abbas was young. Then he went to go older. To do tamattu. And people said, But Abu Bakr Umar, I told you the Prophet. He said, Abu Bakr Umar. So, number one, you have to reconcile. Is it actually a difference of opinion? If it is, then you have to consider now. Not different opinion, astaghfirullah. Is it actually him going against the Prophet? Then we have to consider, is it authentic that the companion actually went against? Because a lot of narrations are wrong. They're not, they're not authentic. And is the hadith actually authentic? You have to consider that as well. Then when we see that the Prophet ﷺ done something, and the companion done something else, okay, he done something else, is it haram? Was the Prophet ﷺ when he done something, for example, the example of the beard, the Prophet ﷺ, yes, he never cut his beard past the fist length. But did he mention that it's haram to do that? Not necessarily. Ibn Umar, he didn't, he didn't, he knew the Prophet ﷺ. He's the one who narrated the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, leave your beard. He's the one who narrated it. So he understood it in a different way. Then after if we see that clearly the Prophet ﷺ done something And one or two companions done something else Whilst the rest of the companions or many other companions were in line with this hadith Then we say we don't take the companion's speech in this situation Radiallahu anhum and Allah is pleased with them, no doubt But we don't take their opinion, we follow the companion of the Prophet We follow the Prophet ﷺ's hadith And those companions we follow that hadith in that way So there's, there's steps to it um, It's a bit off base but um, someone was telling me about how Islam promotes slavery and then for evidence he used like, that which the right hand possesses. And, uh, yeah, can you explain that? Islam allowed slavery when slavery was, was present. And Islam allows slavery when slavery is present. In a correct way. In a way that is um, يعني, regulated. It's not in a way that people perceive slavery today necessarily. طيب? And it has rights and things like that. Like in, in, it doesn't necessarily promote it yeah, and it Promote it like that It says it's good or anything like that. No it doesn't the Prophet Sallallahu Commanded us to free slaves right? Like when there is slavery In a society where slavery was a norm And is a norm And not today There's no slavery today Then Islam regulated Right We'll carry on Couldn't finish this وعن عدي بن حاتم رضي الله عنه أنه سمع نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقرأ هذه الآية عدي بن حاتم رضي الله عنه He had he heard the Prophet sallallahu reciting the ayah اتخذوا أحبارهم ورهبانهم أربابا من دون الله that these people the Jews they took their rabbis ورهبانهم and their monks يعني their worshippers as lords besides Allah أربابا من دون الله الآية قال so عدي بن حاتم 
he said, "Qultu lahu inna lasna na'buduhum, na'buduhum." We never used to worship these people. Then before he was a Muslim, he said, "We never used to worship our rabbis and monks." So what, why does the ayah say that we took them as lords besides Allah? So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam explained this, and he says, "Alaysa yuharrimuna ma ahla Allahu fatuharrimuna." Do they not make something haram, and so you say it is haram? وَيُحِلُّونَ مَا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ فَتُحِلُّونَ And they say something is halal, that Allah made haram, and you say it's halal as well. So the Jews, the monk, the, monk, the, monk, uh, the rabbis, they would say something is haram, they'll believe it's haram. The followers will believe it's haram. They say something is halal, they'll believe that it's halal. فَقُلْتُ بَلَى I said, of course, that's what they used to do. قَالَ فَتِلْكَ عِبَادَتُهُمْ And that is, that is worshipping them. رَاهُ أَحْمَدُ وَالتِّرْمِذِيُّ وَحَسَّنَةً are those people today from the people who claim to be Muslim who take the who say that they're sheikhs and they're leaders, they are the ones who can make something halal and haram. We know that this takes a person outside of Islam. Other than that, then a person generally should shouldn't even come close to this by comparing the opinion of any human being to the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that's what we spoke about before that. فيهما سائل الأولى تفسير آية النور ثانية تفسير آية البراءة ثالثة التنبيه على معنى العبادة التي أنكرها عدي The meaning of عبادة which is in this, in, this, in, this, in this situation what was the meaning of عبادة? Uh, to, to, uh, to follow your rabbis and what you... To follow the rabbis in what is halal haram mm. الرابعة تمثيل ابن عباس بأبي بكر وعمر وتمثيل أحمد بالسفيان How ابن عباس he gave the example of Abu Bakr and Umar Oh, Ibn Abbas could have given the example of anyone, right? Could have given the example of anyone. But he gave example of the best of human beings after the prophets, Abu Bakr and Umar. Why? To show how severe the matter is. No matter who it is, even if it be the best of human beings, we only follow the prophet. We, sorry, we don't take the opinion of anyone over the opinion of the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَتَمْتِيلُ أَحْمَدِ بِالسُّفْيَانِ Imam Ahmad gave the example of Sufyan. Al-Thawri, he was Imam. Big scholar in his time. Al-Khamisa, تَغَيُّرُ الْأَحْوَالُ إِلَى هَذِهِ الْغَايَةِ how the situation has, ta- has changed today. Where some people, they say that w- obeying or worshipping these worshippers is the best of good deeds. As the Sufis, they, a lot of, some of the Sufis they say today. wilaya, And they call it wilaya. As the Shia, they say, or wilaya, the Shia they do today. And worshipping these, these, these scholars, to them this is knowledge and this is fiqh. Otherwise, you hate the awliya of Allah, as they say. You are enemy of the awliya of Allah. ثُمَّ تَغَيَّرَتِ الْحَالُ إِلَىٰ أَنْ عُبِدَ مَنْ لَيْسَ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ Until the point that they started worshipping people who are not even righteous. وَعُبِدَ بِالْمَعْنَ الثَّانِي مَنْ هُوَ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ And some people who are not even, who are ignorant, they've been worshipped. How? These people who do magic. Suha, they're magicians. And so when they see, when the, when the, the layman sees their magic, they assume this person must be a, wow, a saint. Friend of Allah because he can do miracles. In reality, it's magic and he doesn't know that. And so they worship them. It's as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll end it there, inshallah. The next lesson we'll go to the next bab, which is uh, ruling by at uh, Taking other other than the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu alam. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahabihi. Alhamdulillah.